I'm McKinney Smith. In 2009, while going through a divorce, I decided to jump straight into entrepreneurship. In 2012, I lost my sister and asked myself, what legacy do I want to leave behind? Since then, I've become a serial entrepreneur, helping other women publish their books, produce their podcasts, and reach their big goals to walk in their greatness. I realized the importance of sharing our stories of resilience and how it can be another's guide to walk in a manner worthy of their calling. We are blessed to be a blessing. So get ready to be blessed with an inspiring testimony. Julie Solomon is a mother and wife to award-winning actor and activist, Jonathan Sheck. She is a coach and brand and pitch expert. She's the host of the Influencer Podcast. She offers real-time coaching, straight talk, and conversations about business growth and personal development to millions of listeners worldwide. Julie has launched several successful online programs and masterminds, including Pitch It Perfect, The Influencer Academy, and Shine Mastermind. She helps women turn messages into movements and empowers entrepreneurs to grow their influence and impact. Julie is the author of Get What You Want, How to Go from Unseen to Unstoppable, a book for people who are tired of being told, just be yourself, and teaches you how to shake off outdated ideas of what is possible and use your newfound belief to make anything you want happen. And most importantly, it gives you confidence to love and accept yourself so you become unstoppable. Her work is featured in outlets including Forbes, Entrepreneur, Business Weekly, Success, People Magazine, and much more. Please welcome to the show, Julie Solomon. Hello, hello. It's so great to be here. Thank you. Thank you so much for agreeing to come on and share your story with us. I'm totally excited for this conversation. I am excited to be here with you. Thanks for having me. No problem. So I like to start the show with a bit of an icebreaker question, because as children, we have these vivid imaginations of who we want to be when we grow up and what we want to do before society starts to limit our beliefs. Mm -hmm. So before we get into where you are presently, I would love to know, what did Julie want to be as a little girl and what was she like as a teenager? Mm, so when I was a little girl, I wanted to be a rock star. <laughs> I think I actually said that once at like this um, this talent show thing that I was doing. So I, I always had this thing in me to want to express myself, you know. And when I was little, I, I guess I felt that meant a rock star, performer, that sort of thing. I just, you know, had a flair for being super extroverted, for dancing, for singing, for all of those things. And then when I became a teenager, the um, I think the belief that I could do that had kind of waned a little bit. And I just remember thinking that I just, I wanted more than what was in front of me. You know, I'm originally from Tennessee, so it's a little bit smaller than what I was dreaming about. I wanted like a big city experience. Like that was my goal was to go to college and then to move to a big city and, um, and kind of see, you know, what would happen with the opportunities that came before. Right. So from wanting to be a rock star and, you know, extrovert and all those things, how did you get to where you are presently? Like, how did you get into coaching and PR and everything that you do now? Yeah. So, you know, I think that 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 vision and that idea of wanting to connect and to express myself through connection kind of, yes, it didn't manifest as being a rock star, but I think that it ended up coming to fruition with the work that I do now. So I I went to college for PR and journalism. I've always loved um, speaking and writing and, you know, sharing in that kind of medium. So after college, I moved to New York City and I got a job in music publicity. So I was representing a lot of really big, incredible music acts, you know, everyone from Pink to Lenny Kravitz to his daughter, Zoe at the time, who hadn't even started acting, like she was just building her her business and to now Mm -hmm. see how far she's come. You know, we just worked with a lot of really incredible artists and that always really resonated with me and connected with me. And then throughout my business journey, you know, I went from being a music publicist to then working in-house 
at a publishing house. And so then I was doing book publicity. So I was working with, you know, some of the best-selling authors and thought leaders and just a lot of really kind of high-level influencers, really. I mean, you know, not in the way in which we see social media influencers, but people that had influence. And that always resonated with me and connected with me. And I love the idea of witnessing them being able to impact through their message and through their movements. And I think that that was really inspiring for me to then do that. And so as I slowly transitioned and, you know, I started a blog back in 2014 that was a side hustle that was kind of lifestyle motherhood content was still doing all of my PR stuff on the side. I was working for myself at the time. So I had left corporate America and agency life, um, had a lot of experience under my belt and just felt this calling for more and this calling to share my voice. And, you know, for years I had kind of been behind the scenes helping people get their message out. And, and now I was ready to kind of have the courage to do that myself. And so the way that that looks now is that um, I talk a lot about you know, shining in, in my work and what I do and, and really that inner stardom, that inner star quality that all of us have, whether we even realize it or not. And I've always had this ability to help crack that open in other people. And also in myself, you know, I've worked with stars ever since I started, you know, having a professional career, I married a star, I'm married to an actor. Like it's just kind of part of this, this gift that I have to really, you know, take people's dreams and to take, you know, that light that they have and to really crack it open. And so I knew that if I wanted to take that to the next level, I had to start doing it for myself as well. So that side hustle blog um, then turned into more consulting and marketing because I realized that a lot of the content creators in that world of blogging really needed my support when it came to marketing and PR and, you know, those kinds of arenas. So then I started doing that. And then that led to really the business that I have today and being able to speak on stages and write books and share my message through my podcast and, you know, a lot of the mediums that I now have to do that. So it's, it's definitely always been a part of me. I think just a lot of times the way that we may think that it's going to manifest can be different than what we originally thought, but it was all Mm -hmm. a stepping stone. And I think that that, that deeper calling and really that deeper purpose of why did I want to you know, support other people and building their dreams? Why did I want to share my message with the world? Why did I want to help people spread their message with the world? It all came from that deeper place of, you know, wanting to express myself and wanting to connect deeply with people around me. I love that. And, you know, that that desire for expression, you know, your journey speaks to that, like, you know, you being able to explore different industries and in what you do, you know, being a publicist and the blogging and the consulting, you know, I think that's a big thing for a lot of the women who are listening to think about, because sometimes they have this idea that, you know, if they want to be a certain thing, they're automatically going to jump straight into that thing instead of trying different things and seeing where it leads and exploring and being able to express themselves to discover what they really want to do. Yeah, I would agree. It's so Mm -hmm. true. You spoke to influence and of course, you know, you've got the influencer podcast. I would love to know who are you influenced by and do you have like a favorite thought leader? Yeah, I mean, today, uh, who I am influenced by would definitely be Gabby Bernstein as someone who I really connect with people, you know, she's in, when I think of Gabby, I think of spirituality and mm-hmm. um, just really being able to kind of take this somewhat for some people, taboo concept of, you know, spiritual connection or this really kind of layered or even shameful concept for some people, just based off of what your, your history may be with spirituality or connection or religion. Mm -hmm. And she makes it very palatable and attainable for, for the masses. And I really love that. I love when someone can take a concept and, and rework it in a way that allows people to really absorb it and connect to it on a deeper level. So she's someone that I really connect to right now. You know, Brene Brown was someone that I really connected to for a while and over the last few years, just really studied her. I I love to really study how other people think because I I learn in that way. I learn very well from that. Mm -hmm. 
Um, there's another woman named Africa Brooke who is incredible. I actually did a course with her a couple of years ago. That's really, really amazing course all about femininity and really tapping into your divine feminine. So those are a few women that I really connect to right now. And um, I also love Abraham Hicks, which is the law of attraction. It's actually channeled through a woman named Esther Hicks. And so I, I listen to a lot of uh, a lot of um, Abraham Hicks every morning when I wake up. You just named some amazing people. I've read a few Gabby Bernstein's books, and I love how she shares her journey in the books and you know how she breaks down like you said, her ability to break down manifest, like manifesting in spirituality so that it can be consumed in an easier way. Because I find sometimes if it's not explained properly, people can be very passive about it and not believe in its possibilities because some people teach it and brush over it in a, a superficial way and without even explaining you know, their own personal journey with it. And Brene Brown, I'm a huge fan of hers, uh, totally obsessed with, you know, I've read all of her books. Her recent one, um, Atlas of the Heart is like, I keep that on my bedside just for a reminder about uh, yeah. emotions. But yeah, you've named some amazing people. Um, you even mentioned when you mentioned Abraham Hicks and you Law of Attraction, my mentor, uh, Bob Proctor, who recently passed away, he totally opened up my mind to the law of attraction and its connection with spirituality because I grew up, you know, with, I'm going to say, quote unquote, you know, Christians, churchgoers that looked at law of attraction as um, negative when it came to, um, you know, how people believe. But Bob Proctor was able to help me connect spirituality and biblical principles through law of attraction and break it down on a deeper level so I can understand it better. Yeah, totally. And I, I feel the same way. And I just, um, I, I love law of attraction so much. And it's a great way to start your day. <laughs> Absolutely. So I want to congratulate you on your new book. So by the time this, this episode airs, your book will have come out the day before. <laughs> so congratulations yeah. for anyone who is listening. Go out and grab Julie's book, Get What You Want, How to Go from Unseen to Unstoppable. I had the pleasure of uh, reading an advanced copy. So I just, again, wanted to congratulate you on this great piece of work. And I would love to know what inspired you to write your first book and, and make that decision. Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing that really inspired me to do it is that I felt it's my way, again, of going back to the idea of being able to express myself. You know, I I am a speaker. I am a writer and the way that I, and I'm a connector and the way in which I do that and connect with people is through voice and words and, you know, those kinds of mediums. And so that initially drew me to writing a book because I knew that it was just going to be another way in which I could do that. And then what made me want to share this topic, I think is because of how unseen I felt for a very long time and how I thought for a very long time that I couldn't get what I wanted. Um, you know, like you just mentioned, the title of the book is get what you want. And I felt like I couldn't get what I wanted, that getting what I wanted was impossible. You know, I couldn't get what I wanted because I didn't know what I wanted and I couldn't figure out to know what I wanted. And it, there was just a lot of, a lot of these layers of, of very limiting ways of thinking that were actually keeping me in this loop of self-sabotage. And it was actually mm -hmm. keeping me from really being able to see and experience from a new perspective. And so that's what really drew me to writing the book. That's why I wanted to do it now because I was able to go from, from that feeling of being so unseen to then feeling like that I can truly be unstoppable with anything that I want to do. And then I wanted to be able to share that not only as an expression of my experience, but that in turn, it would maybe give someone else the strength and hope to do the same. Mm -hmm. I love that. You, know, you open up the book with the story of your husband discovering your $30,000 credit card debt. So mm -hmm. you know, can you share how moving to a new place with a new baby, no friends, your husband working across the country led you down the path of unlocking your toxic origin story? 
Yeah, you know, it's it was definitely a rock bottom moment for me. My husband called me and asked me, you know, basically called me out. He had fi- found out that I had been hiding this debt for him, from him. And I really had to start getting honest about why I was so afraid of being honest about money and about my relationship with money. And for me, it it then led me down this path of really starting to unlock a lot of these stories and belief systems that I had chosen to believe as an adult, that I had been either told to believe as a child or just due to to society and what I saw in the world around me, you know, had adapted into a belief. And really that's all a belief is, is something that you think over and over and over again. And um, so that set me on a path to figuring out what I call in the book is the origin story, which we all have one. Your origin story is simply the stories that make up how you choose to see the world, how you choose to be into the world, how you choose to communicate with the world around you. So we could have good stories from our origin. We could have negative stories from our origin. We can have all different kinds of stories from our origin. When it came to me and money specifically, that story from my origin was one around a very lack mindset and a scarcity mindset. Because growing up, I came from a really small town. It was very, you know, Appalachian um, in Tennessee, very rural. You know, my dad wore a blue collar to work every day. Both of my parents didn't go to college. And so even though in a lot of ways I had this ability to think bigger, which in and of itself is a privilege that we can talk about, just giving yourself the ability to think bigger and to think different. I always let let this origin story of it's not enough, it's never enough, you know, there's there's no abundance in my life to really come in and start to sabotage a lot of my abilities to really be honest and and to show up in the world. And so one of the ways that that then manifested was me not being very confident with money. And because I wasn't confident with money, I would spend money faster than I could make it. And then I would hide the fact that I was spending it faster than I could make it. And then that's what really led to me racking up the credit card debt. You also mentioned about my son. I was also a new mom for the first time in a brand new city. I was living in Los Angeles at the time. And so I was trying to also fill this void of really kind of relearning and understanding who I am as a new mom and trying to unlock a lot of those feelings that I had around, you know, my ability to live the life that I wanted. And in a lot of ways, I felt very shackled, not because I was a new mom, but because I I wasn't, I would see other people, you know, I would make up and tell myself that these other people that I would see, whether it was on Instagram or out on the street, like had these amazing lives. And why couldn't I seem to get there too? You know, why couldn't I overcome whatever it was that was keeping me stuck? And why couldn't I figure out what it was that was keeping me stuck? You know, you can't overcome something that you can't see that you Mm -hmm. don't know. And so it was this hamster wheel of, you know, really being limited by my current circumstances and not seeing and not being able to realize that it was my choices, my thoughts, my beliefs the way that I would talk to myself, the choosing to think about things like money that got me into that situation. Mm-hmm. You, um, you know, you spoke to, you know, um, beliefs and um, I believe like perception, but like in the book, you shared a story of, you know, a woman that you were really inspired by who was in a space doing the things that you admired and you honored her in, I guess, the description of your podcast. And can you share a Cole's Notes version of her reaction and how we can handle when, you know, that, I guess, that rejection that we get when we're, when it's not even meant that way? Yeah. You know, so when I had that moment of sitting at the dining room table and, you know, as I mentioned, I had to start getting really honest around my my belief systems. And so one of those things was money. So I started to go to therapy. I started reading books. I started doing all the things to really start to unlock 
that. And then what, what was it about money? And as I peeled those layers back, I started to find out that it was, you know, I, I didn't have a lot of self-love. I didn't have a lot of self-worthiness. I felt that my worthiness needed to be validated by other people. Um, I also found out that I was a massive people pleaser and I would always overcompensate my own happiness and my own joy to make others happier, to make others feel better. You know, I, I learned a lot of things about myself that I talk about in the book. You know, I had a lot of control issues. I had a lot of justification and rationalization of the things that I believed. There was a lot of denial. There's a lot of things going on there. But as I slowly started to recover from a lot of those dysfunctions, miraculously, and this is what happens when we start to heal ourselves, things start changing. Positive things start changing. And so from that, I was able to start to slowly but surely grow my business, get my message out there a little bit more. I started my podcast and I started to feel really good about myself. You know, growing up, I always needed everyone to like me. And this feeling of always wanting to blend in or to assimilate or to be like everybody else with the hopes that people would like me, it started to kind of dissipate a little bit because I started to feel better about myself. I started gaining confidence in my ability to to share my message and to do the work that I was doing and my confidence in being a mom and my confidence in being a wife. And this all came from me working on myself. But what I think is interesting is just when we think that we've gotten to the other side of whatever, you know, these limitations, right? These things that we may think and feel about ourselves, they can kind of come back to hit us, you know, hard in the face. And that's what happened with the story that I share. I had launched my podcast. It was gaining traction. Um, I had at the time, this was in 2017. So there weren't a lot of women at the time that had podcasts really at all, and especially not in the business or marketing or personal development space. It was predominantly men. And so there were a few women that were doing it at the time. And I started to get really inspired. I started listening to their podcasts. I started, you know, really just being in awe of what they were able to build. And there was one in particular that I started to follow and just really witnessing the courage that she had to get out there, to share her message, to share her voice. It was very inspiring to me. And I would listen to her podcast every single week. You know, I would watch her business grow. She just, she really started to grow this collective community of raving fans and and not only just fans, but people that she was that she was affecting their lives in a really positive way. She was creating a massive impact. She would always talk about, you know, community over competition. And she would share very intimate parts of her personal life, which that at the time felt very raw and vulnerable to me, you know? So I found that so courageous that she could just put herself out there and she would talk about body positivity and just all of this stuff that I really admired. And so when I put uh launched my podcast i put her name in the description along with some other female podcast p- podcasters as a nod of inspiration that you know they had they had inspired me to launch the podcast and when i launched i had one episode in particular do really well probably about a month or so after i had launched and it was gaining a lot of traction and i had never had anything like that happen before so i was feeling really good about myself <laughs> and then all of a sudden i got an email from that woman who I had been admiring, you know, for months at that point. And mm-hmm. it popped up in my inbox and I started to go into fantasy mode, you know, and started thinking like, oh my gosh, she's emailing me. Maybe she wants to be on my podcast. Maybe she wants me to be on her podcast. Maybe she wants to be friends, you know, just those feelings that of like wanting to be liked, of wanting mm-hmm. to be accepted, of wanting to be included in the cool kids club, like all of these things that I that I had as a child, you know, going back to what I had said earlier about like just needing people to like me, needing people to validate me, that all came like flooding in. And when I opened the email, what I got was the complete opposite of that fantasy. She was very upset that I put her name in my description. She told me that it made her cringe. She told me that I was writing her coattails and the coattails of so many other women And, you know, she just said that she didn't think that it was fair for me to put her name on there because she thought I was using it as a way to like get, you know, traction to mine. 
And I just remember staring at that email and it's like, I could feel, you know, the tears like welling up in my eyes. I felt the knot in my throat and I just started to feel so embarrassed. And I was like, oh my gosh, this woman who I admire so much, like she, she thinks that I'm writing her coattails. Like she, I made her cringe. I felt Mm -hmm. so ashamed. And then that story, you know, played through my head, you know, of like, you don't belong. They don't want you here. Who do you think you are? You're a fraud. You're an imposter. You know, all of those things that came from my origin story that I had thought that I had gotten to the other side of, and Mm -hmm. I didn't. And then, of course, because I wasn't completely healed or recovered from that, I got defensive and I emailed her back and I wanted her to see my side. And I, oh, no, that's not what I meant. And we have mutual friends and and it just made it worse. And I think that what that showed me was that my destructive people-pleasing patterns that came from my origin story of wanting to over-explain and defend and overshare, it came rolling through because I was just desperate. I was desperately trying to show her that my intentions were pure. I was trying to show her that we were alike. I was trying to show her that we had things in common. And it really just came down to the fact that I just wanted her to like me. Mm-hmm. That's really what it was. I wanted her to see me. I wanted her to validate me. And as much as I tried to force it, it just didn't work. And, you know, I, I mentioned this in the book that she responded the way that she did because she she's seeing the world from her own origin story, you know, from her own perspective, her own lens. So it doesn't make her response bad. It doesn't make, you know, her feelings were are, are just as valid as mine. It, it yes, it hurt my feelings, but it doesn't mean she's a bad person. It surprised me because of what and this is kind of another thing with social media. It's like we we make up and assume these ideas about people, good or bad. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I had made up and assumed like I don't know who she is. I'm just seeing a version of her and then creating a fantasy from it. I am making up and assuming that I know who she is based off of what she's choosing to show me as yeah. a part of her life and work. And it doesn't mean that she's not that person, but it it gave me a gift. And that gift was to start seeing people for as they are not what I make up and tell myself that they are. And it also gave me a profound lesson for myself, which is really about self-love that a woman who can love and trust herself first gives herself the gift of being able to love and trust other women. And so if I wanted to love and trust her as she was and not try to change her, not try to be like, you're wrong for emailing me this hurtful thing, or you're wrong for hurting my feelings. I can't love and accept her for who she is and having the response that she had until I loved and accepted myself first. And Mm. now, because I've gotten so much farther away from that desire to be liked by other people and be accepted by other people, because I find the acceptance in myself. If that email came through my inbox today, you know, I, I just wouldn't even respond. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, I'm so far removed from, from that McKinney and, and of, of needing that, you know, I, I fill my own cup with that up now. And, and that, that was really the beauty of that whole experience. And so I, I love that you mentioned that because I think that for the listeners that are listening, if you're, if you were like how I was the, you know, in five years ago that you're, you're putting your, your worth and your value and your love, you're making it contingent on someone else giving it to you. You're going to have a really hard time growing, succeeding, getting what you want in life because Mm -hmm. your own self-validation as a human being is wrapped up in someone else saying, okay, you're worthy of it. Yes. And, And that's why I wanted to mention that story because I read that and I had so many different thoughts and then I dissected it and found so many different lessons within it because we're talking about our, our origin story and we naturally project our inner securities onto the outside world. Like that's how we view the world. So mm-hmm. at the time when you know, you were still going through the people pleasing and the validation to honor her, you mentioned her name, but that, that was, you know, you trying to be um, accepted and validated, but then right. her, her projection and her insecurities took that as, you know, you're riding her coattail and she's offended and, you know, I'm, 
taking oh, something okay. away from her. Exactly. Yeah. So her, her mindset was more on scarcity and, and competition than it was, um, you know, abundance and creativity and creation. So mm. because you had created this story about who you believe she was, her insecurities and her origin story of who she believes she is reacted in the way that she did. But you mentioning just now that you going on your healing journey and your evolution, the version that you are today would react completely different because you're not seeking that validation. You know who you are. Right. And I think that's the biggest takeaway with this whole racket of social media that we all live in. You know, Mm -hmm. it's, you know, Instagram, TikTok, these platforms, they are, they are technologically made to trigger us when it comes to belonging and validation. Mm-hmm. Like they are set up to trigger those feelings of wanting to belong, wanting to be seen, wanting to be validated. Mm-hmm. And they want us to to feed off of that so much so we never leave the platform. Yes. And so the work really does begin and end with us. And I loved what you said, McKinney, about when you kind of read through it and just and dissected it. I I think that the most beautiful place that we can get to in the most loving place is to be able to see all the perspectives of, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm coming at it from my insecurity of like, oh, like me, like me, like me, you know, Mm -hmm. and then she's coming at at it of her insecurity of don't take anything away from me. Mm -hmm. And, And then like it kind of rubs together in this, in this explosion. And that's when I knew that, you know, the, the, the gift of acceptance comes into play, um, you know, and acceptance, there's a beautiful saying that goes, acceptance is the answer to all of my problems today. Mm-hmm. And like, what if in that moment I could have just accepted her for who she is and just seen like, oh, wow, like she has fears just as I do. They may be different, mm-hmm. but we really are more like them than, than not. And just holding that acceptance. And that's why I say now, because I could do that. I just wouldn't respond to an email because that not no response is actually the most loving thing that I could do because it's honoring her to have her experience and to Mm -hmm. accept her experience without me trying to fix it or change it or defend it or whatever it may be. Absolutely. You know, when you talk about social media and the views and I guess the ideologies that people um, can have with it. And that was one of the reasons why I wanted my podcast to be focused on women's stories of resilience, because we may see women like yourself, Julie, on social media and see, you know, your beautiful family and, you know, beautiful life and outfits. And we create these stories in our head about what we think your life is really like or what you feel But then hearing your story of resilience on the podcast, hearing the adversities that you've had to overcome, we can connect on an emotional level because we can see that you're a human being. You experience the same things that we experience. We are more alike than we are different. So I think um, I would love to, you know, talk about your three tools to freedom, um, you know, awareness, acceptance, and action, and, and how you use that to overcome people pleasing and, you know, to set important boundaries to release you know, the need to control and stuff. Yeah. And this is, you know, I talk about this extensively. I believe it is in chapter one or two um, about the the three tools to to freedom, which are called the three A's. Um, When I was going through my own recovery process and going through therapy and going, you know, joining recovery groups and really just trying to peel back the layers of, you know, my issues around acceptance and um, you know, scarcity and validation and all of those things. Um, I learned about these and I've adopted them and adapted them into my lives. And I share about them in the book because they're so powerful and they are really what has allowed me to find freedom in my life. And so the first tool is awareness. Mm-hmm. So awareness is basically the identification that a problem or dysfunction exists in your life that needs to change. So for example, with, um, you know, we can just take the conversation that we just had about, you know, the podcaster who I put on a pedestal. Mm -hmm. Um, Once I could become aware that it's not about her, the problem is, is mine, that I have a dysfunction with this need to be validated and that need by someone else. And that needs to change. So being aware first, 
Because if I was aware in that moment, I could have paused. I wouldn't have gotten defensive. I wouldn't have blamed or shamed or done any of those things. I wouldn't have, you know, harmed myself by, you know, saying all these hurtful things about myself of, oh, you know, who do you think you are to try to do this? Like you don't belong, whatever those things are. Mm-hmm. The second tool is acceptance. Acceptance is it comes after awareness, but it is usually the most challenging and uncomfortable place that we have to be at and the and the hardest tool to actually activate because this is where we have to come to terms of our accountability and our part to play in in the problem. So the problem isn't all of me, but it's a part of me. And basically this dysfunction or this problem, it's a piece to the puzzle of my life that no longer fits and it needs to be removed. And it's not going to be removed by this person or this thing, or, you know, it's not going to be removed once I make a million dollars. It has to be removed by me choosing to remove it and taking the steps necessary to do so. And that's why acceptance can be so hard because we have to start to admit that the problem is not out there, but the problem is here. Mm-hmm. And even if, you know, there's a lot of circumstances and there's a lot of things that can happen to us in our lives that we don't have control over, you know, things we can't control other people, places and things. So we may not be able to, to control when someone else abuses us or when a, a car hits us from behind or those kinds of things, mm-hmm. but we can change how we respond and react to it. And so that's really where acceptance comes in. And then the last tool of the A is action. And that's the plan that we can put in place to start to recover and restore the things that have been lost due to that dysfunction or that problem that we had. So for example, due to my dysfunction of needing external validation, I had lost a lot of really beautiful things in my life, like confidence and self-esteem and love and worthiness. But with a new action plan, I can start to restore those things in my life. So this is where you you put the plan in place of, you know, do I want to continue to go down a path that's feel that's filled with chaos and anxiety and overwhelm and frustration and this, you know, poor me, oh, woe is me victimhood mentality? Or do I want to be living in an environment that's filled with joy and acceptance and serenity and peace and love? Mm-hmm. And that's where when you make the choice to decide what what end of that coin you want to be on, that's when you can really start to restore a lot of the things that have been lost. And I think with an action plan, one of the things that you have to do is that you have to have something to believe in that's greater than yourself. It's mm-hmm. what instills in all of us that desire to be more loving and kind and caring and more communal and more thoughtful and more family oriented. You know, I think a lot of people don't believe in something greater than themselves. You know, they may say that they do, but their daily actions don't reflect that. Mm-hmm. And it's what is causing that decay and that dysfunction in our own lives. And mm-hmm. so to me, it's really about that belief in something greater than myself. And that's where purpose comes in. Uh, you had so many amazing points within there. Like, okay, so I, let me break them down. In, well, I can't break them all down individually, but like <laughs> when you talk about awareness, I think a lot of people, they spend way too much time looking at what other people are doing and judging and comparing rather than looking inward and reflecting on how they can control their own behavior, their own life. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, when you spoke to acceptance and you talked about, you know, accepting the part that we play, I'm a huge believer in every experience is co-created. So like you said, you know, you may not be able to control a car accident being hit from behind or, you know, being abused by someone. But we often want to point 100% of the responsibility or blame on someone else. Mm -hmm. When we co-created at some point, there was, whether it was a choice or decision, whether it's 5%, 10%, 50%, we have to accept our own part in it. And then, you know, when you speak to action, I think a lot of people will do the things where they... Um, you know, they'll, they'll read the books, they'll listen to the podcast, they'll go to the seminars and sign up for the masterminds, but they're not taking action. And they're wondering why they're not seeing the results in their life that they're trying to get. So when you put those three together, it it's such a powerful tool. So yeah, you had so many amazing points within there, so many gems. So I really do hope the women that are listening are taking notes. Yeah. I mean, and that's, that's why at the end of every chapter of the book, I have a whole like note taking section where I ask really specific questions. (laughs) 
at the end of every chapter because it's simple, but it's deep. And, mm-hmm. and I, you know, it's especially with the action. And I think that you just really brought up a great point about how the action is not just signing up for a mastermind. Like the action is really doing the work. It's taking yeah. the steps to get where you want to go. And it really comes down to choice. Mm-hmm. And what is going to be the choice in your life? Do you want to just not act? Because that in and of itself is an action. Do you mm-hmm. want to keep believing in that status quo bias, which to me is is really when you're afraid to change your current circumstances? Yeah. You know, for example, it's like I see it happen all the time with people are so afraid to move somewhere else for a better life or a better job or a better circumstance. They'll talk about it all day long till they're blue in the face and complain about it all the time. But Mm -hmm. most people just either don't or won't move and they'll come up with all the excuses of why they can't. Yeah. And and it's really about they choose to focus on the excuses instead of thinking hard enough about changing the basic circumstances in their life that is causing them the suffering or pain to begin with. And, you know, that's really where I think the action comes in is that we're we're making choices all day long, whether we realize it or not. It's, you know, mm-hmm. let's say you get hit behind in a car. It's like, okay, I'm aware that I got hit <laughs> from the back by somebody mm-hmm. else. I can accept that like, this is now the reality of the situation. And now the next steps of action are going to be, do I call the police? Do I call my insurance? Do I file a claim? Do I, you know, fly off the handle and go choke this person out? Like what, <laughs> what am I going to choose to do? Yeah. Because everything really is a choice. And so I loved what you said about the action piece and it allows us to really, the awareness allows us to see how far we will go at going to war for our own limitations. Mm-hmm. And then that acceptance allows us to see our part to play with it. And then our action allows us to then do something about it. Love it. Love it. You know, you you just spoke just now about all the excuses that people make. And one of the main questions I ask my clients before I take them on for coaching is, are you interested or are you committed? Because if you're interested, you will find all the excuses in the book not to do it. But if you're committed, you will do whatever it takes to get it done. Right. Yeah. Great. So true. So what are some tips that you have for showing up and stepping out of your comfort zone? Yeah. You know, I think that when it comes to people who may be fairly well off right now, you know, maybe they have high wealth or maybe they just have a a greater capacity for rolling the dice, you know, and kind of like investing more and seeing what happens. I I do think it's easier for that mindset of person Mm -hmm. to like go and do it. For people who feel like, and whether it's a reality of their situation or not, that they have lower means, um, it can be more challenging to give good tips or advice because mm-hmm. they're they're already seeing it from a different lens. Mm-hmm. And so what I always say is if you want to change your life, you need to start learning from the people who have done what it is that you are trying to do. Yeah. So, you know, get better support if you can you know, get better coaching if you can and, and better what's better. Well, you have to decide what, what that is for you. Improve Mm -hmm. your habits so you can start to have a healthier lifestyle. You can start to earn more, whatever that is for you, you know, avoid that bias that we were talking about with this, with the, the circumstances. I think that now more than ever, it should be easier for us to get what we want and having greater freedom to do so because we have, we have, it's such a low barrier of entry to to get the information that we need to take the next step with the internet, with, you know, community groups, with, you know, virtual meeting. I mean, there's just stuff happening all the time in various industries with, you know, whatever it may be. Yeah. Podcast episodes for days. Yeah. And so you just, you have to be open to seeing your circumstances in a new way. You have to be willing to shed your origin stories. You have to be willing to not play the role of nothing ever works out for me. Nothing, you know, nothing can change. Nothing will change. Because if that's really what you think, then then nothing will change. You're right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you have to decide, do you want to be right or do you want to be happy? Because sometimes you can't get both. <laughs> very true. Very true. But I would rather be happy over being right any day of the week. I agree with you 1000%. You know, what you said at the beginning were, you know, we have access to information. Like we have more access to information today that, you know, we can get our hands on in one day 
than people used to have in their entire lifetime. So it's really about choice and how much we want something and how bad we want something and our belief that it's possible. Yeah. I mean, I think about that all the time. You know, I grew up with a, with a grandmother who had, you know, she had to leave school in second grade to support her family. She never saw the ocean because she never could afford to travel. She died before mm-hmm. seeing it with her own eyes. Wow. Um, she lived in a trailer her whole life. Um, she didn't know what she didn't know. Mm-hmm. And I just think about just the sheer privilege of me being born in, in, in the eighties to then be part of the internet revolution, to then be Mm -hmm. at this interesting age where, you know, I had computer classes in fifth grade at my elementary public school, you know, they probably weren't the best, but you know, it's, it was something. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I feel like that if you are privileged enough to own a computer or own a laptop or own a phone, which anyone that's listening to this right now has one of those things, or otherwise you wouldn't be able to listen to it. Or even if you're just privileged enough to access those things through a public library or a community center, then you have at your disposal really the world, which is the internet. You have the capacity to learn and grow whatever it is that you want to learn and grow. It's just knowing that that's possible in the first place. And that's really where, when I think about my greater work and what I really want to do, I think about a lot of those children that grew up in towns like I did, that they don't have access to the internet. They don't have access, or if they do, they don't know that they do because they have nobody taking them to the library. They have nobody doing those things for them. So how do we get in front of them? That's the challenge that we need to unlock as people who are online, who are on social media, that have a platform and that have a message. It's it's our, it is a privilege to have that. So how do we not waste that? Yeah. And that is about getting. We have to educate more people. We have to get them to think more critically. We have to get them off of this hamster wheel of thinking that. The world is out to get them and the world is evil and they're never going to have enough. I mean, that just, that keeps us in this perpetual state of not evolving as a humanity. And that's really where I think that we need to go. But if we're too busy in our own loops of thinking that it's not enough, it's never enough. I don't have the information to do what I need to do then how can you even begin to help and serve other people? And, you know, I talk about it in the book. There's a quote that I love where I say, you can't hide yourself and expect to be seen. Mm-hmm. And there's so many people on the internet that do that. They they have this expectation of growing these big personal brands. And, you know, it's what I coach people on. And that's the big thing when people come to me, Julie, I, I don't have clarity. I I can't accomplish my goals. I I feel so stuck. I don't know how to manage my time. I don't know how to get my brand out into the world. The algorithm's just out to get me. And oh, woe is me. Oh, woe is me. And it's like, well, but what is your part to play in that? Mm-hmm. I mean, y- you even being here, having this conversation with me, is more of a privilege than other people. So how do you not waste what it is that you do have? You know, how can you start from where you are today with what it is that you have today? And just let that be enough. Wow. You said so many things in there that I would love to unpack, but I'm just like, I could sit here and talk to you all day. So what we may have to do is either have a part two someday or do an IG live to expand on the conversation because I'm totally- I would love that. Conversation. Awesome. Awesome. Yes. So before we go to the final segment of the show, which is like a rapid fire, I would love for you to tell people where they could stay connected with you online, where they can go and grab your book and to learn more from you and about you. Yes. So you can grab the book or the Audible if you love to listen to books, wherever books are sold. Um, you can go to audible.com or if you wherever you buy your, your audio books, um, you can go to juliesolomon.net slash get what you want and you can order from there. And if you do and you just turn in a copy of your receipt, then you are going to get access to a live virtual get what you want workshop that I'm actually doing this summer. It's completely free. The only thing you have to do is just get the book and let us know that you got the book and you are going to be invited and we will save your virtual seat for that. It's going to be a lot of fun and really transformative. And then my podcast, The Influencer Podcast, I you can listen to it wherever you listen to podcasts. We drop a new episode every single Wednesday and it is just 
It's been going on for five years now. So there is a lot of episodes there jam packed with incredible guests, incredible solo episodes. A lot of the, the episodes in and of themselves are like, you know, coaching sessions. I've had people tell me over the years, they've never even bought anything from me. They're just a, you know, a free fan of the podcast and have literally built brands and businesses off of just listening to the podcast. So it's, it's really, uh, it's an, it's a great medium and it's a great community there. And then I tend to spend most of my time on Instagram. So you can find me at, um, Jules, J U L S Solomon, S O L O M O N. Perfect. So I will have all of the direct links for people to get in contact with you, to listen to your podcast, to buy your book. It'll all be in the detailed section. They won't have to search too far. They can just connect with you directly. Awesome. Thank you so much. No problem. So for the final segment, it's kind of like a rapid fire. So I call it a walk in her wisdom. And you can keep your answers to one word or one sentence. And sometimes I may ask you to unpack because I don't like rules. <laughs> but uh-huh. um, let's go. All right. All right. Name a book that has changed or greatly impacted your life. Mm, um, let's see. God, I, I read so many books. I would say what we wish were true. Mm. Okay. What's something other people value, but you don't? I would say lingerie. (laughs) (laughs) Same. (laughs) Uh, Okay. When and where are you the happiest? Mm, At the beach with my bottom in the sand with a Casamigos Blanco skinny margarita half salt rim in my hand. (laughs) Love it. Um, what have you become better at saying no to in the last five years? And that could be distractions, invitations, family, everything. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yes. Um, But I I would say, um, volunteering for things that I either don't have time for or don't really light me up. Yeah. I think that that's a big one. I think after I read the book Essentialism, you know, I learned to say no more often to, you know, things that don't align with my passion or my purpose so that I do have the energy and capacity to say yes to the things that I really desire to do. Um, Okay. Um, What new belief, behavior, or habit has improved your life in the last five years? Meditating. Mm, Love it. And last but not least, what impact do you want to have on the world? The impact that I want to have on the world is for people to truly believe that what they have to share is not only important, but vital to the sustainability and growth of our humanity. Mm. Love it. Wow. Thank you so much, Julie, for not only sharing your story with us, but, you know, thank you for your transparency, your vulnerability, and all of the gems that you have left with us today. I truly, truly appreciate you. Well, I truly appreciate you. And I'm so glad we finally got to do this because I know (laughs) it's been a long time coming and you are just an incredible, incredible human being. This community is so blessed to have you leading them and sharing your gifts with the world. It's so necessary. It's needed and you're amazing. So thank you for having me here. Thank you so much, Julie. And to all of you legacy leavers out there, if you could think of, and I'm challenging right now to 10 women that would receive value from hearing Julie's story, please share this episode with them. You know, feel free to screenshot this week's episode and let us know what resonated with you. And you can tag Julie at Jules Solomon, J-U-L-S-S-O- L-O-M-O-N, and you can tag myself at the real McKinney Smith and continue to walk in greatness in your stilettos in a manner worthy of your calling. <laughs> <laughs>